0: serenity caldwell welcome to the show welcome back to the show good to see you last week
1: good to see you too it Uh, was it's always fun to see people in person after talking to them on the internet for six months at a time
0: totally true uh I, I i feel like we have like a thousand things to talk about
1: right <laughs> yeah i mean there are only a few things that happened last week so you know it's it was it really last week i
0: it don't understand like
1: a month ago. all right
0: so you were there i was there when, and yes. and everybody you know it's you know it's how you make small talk you're like hey what'd you think of the keynote and, <laughs> and most people were like hey that was great and and there were, uh, I ran into like, I would say like 20% of the people I ran into were like, eh, it was, I give it like a B minus. And I'm like, what the hell are you well, thinking? Yeah. I don't get that. I, I don't understand how you could, I, I don't get it. I, I'm I, sorry.
1: No, no, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you. Uh, I mean, we were sitting next to each other at the keynote That's and I'm true. pretty sure on multiple occasions Either I turn to you, or you turn to me, and it just—it felt overwhelming. It felt like right. a tidal wave of all of these things, just. To the point where like, I couldn't recover. It took me 48 hours to be in a normal state of mind because I just felt like we were constantly being overwashed with, right. oh, and we've been working on AR. Oh, and we've been working on VR. Oh, and there's a new iMac Pro. Oh, and of course, new operating systems. Oh, and your iPad. Here's a new iPad. Oh, and ProMotion. None of you are going to know what that means, but you're going to like it. It's just, I don't understand Here's how you- Here's a
0: totally <sighs> new multitasking interface for yeah. iPad Pro users. <laughs> Here are- brand new uh macbook pros a new macbook here's brand new iMacs like you said here's the uh upcoming iMac pro and then in addition to all these things which are like actual products that you can either like buy right now today or you will be able to buy later this year then they were like here's our ar kit (laughs) and i i really don't i mean and i understand that maybe you know people have like a pet feature or thing that maybe didn't get addressed, but you have, to me, you have to admit that like, it, that was a pretty good keynote. In even if it didn't get your pet feature or product, it's like, you have to admit they knocked down a lot of pins in the bowling alley on, on that keynote.
1: They absolutely did. And I mean, I don't understand how there, that, how at least one of your pet features did not get answered uh, during that keynote, because there were so many little fixes. Like, drag and drop no. is a big... I'm like, I, how is drag and not, drop not on everybody's list, at least in some minor form? Or automatic translation on Siri? That's something I've been wanting it to do for, uh, I don't know, four years. Uh, God, the fact that drag and drop also fixes the home screen no. issue. So you can move multiple icons at once. Or, yeah, there's just... it. it I often stammer when people are like, what was your favorite new feature? What was your, like, I haven't even gotten to make my like little features that I liked that you didn't hear about because quite honestly, there are so many that it, it feels, a over- uh, oh God, it's just like every time I try and think of them, I get, I think of seven at once and then my brain just shuts down. Um, <laughs> I,
0: I, I said this during the live show with uh, uh, Craig and Phil uh, and I, I apologize that you've got a, you're following up on Craig Federighi and Phil Schiller. It's either the best or worst slot of the year on the talk show. But I said this and I did say this, but I'll say it again, because you'll you I, I know you can back me up on this, is that it's it's just sort of a a a trope in the press area where when those catch all slides go up, you know, like, oh, and here's the twenty-nine things that are new in Mac OS that we didn't get to talk about here. Uh, the way it goes in the keynote is slowly but surely everybody in the press area sort of raises their phone or their standalone camera and they quick snap a photo of that slide. And they're like, well, I'll take a look at that after the keynote's over and, and look to see if there's anything really interesting that just sort of snuck into that slide. And over and over and over again in that keynote, they'd put that slide up the, the catch all slide. And by the time people got their cameras up, it was gone. (laughs) And everybody's (laughs) like, Oh my God, did you get a picture of that? (laughs) it went so fast.
1: It went so fast. Uh, here's a fun thing. There are something like 75 features on that slide. And they're not like little things. Like they're, I mean, there are a couple little things, right? Like flashlight support for iPad Pro is probably a little thing. But they also have like these big giant features that they just kind of snuck in there, like type to Siri, which is currently an accessibility feature. But I know... Uh, quite a few people who have been like, man, you know, Siri would be really nice if I could just type to it the same way that I typed to Google Assistant. And guess what? In iOS 11, that's going to be there. The fact that they completely redid Mm. iCloud, uh, not only iCloud family plans, which were a big pain point for a lot of people, uh, but file sharing is now going to be a thing in iOS 11, and file sharing with what it looks like, and again, it's still a beta, so obviously things can change, uh, but based on Apple's documentation, it looks like it's going to be almost as full-featured as Dropbox, where you can just drop people links, and not just from Apple... Apps, but for, for anything, for a, for a photo or a video or a document, and you might even be able to use collaboration if the apps support it. And again, not just Apple apps, but like we could be getting to a point where you can collaborate on like a Procreate document. And it's not there yet, but um, the screenshot markup thing, which I guess most people aren't really going to care about, but like you and me and, and quite a few other people, I think, and pretty much any writer on the face of this earth that writes about technology, marking up screenshots is a, is a pretty big deal.
0: I I you know what that's one of my very favorite features that they've added because some of these are like ones that are like uh hey, when are we going to be able to have like Dropbox integration at a system level, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what the Files app does and and there is a to to you know beleaguered the term finally right it's like we have every everybody who's who who uses dropbox or has like a a team-based system that uses dropbox has been sort of hoping for this every single year and so there's a finally aspect to that the screenshot thing though to me is one of my favorite features because it's like the way screenshots Worked up until iOS eleven. It's not like anybody was really complaining about it. It's like okay, you hit these two buttons and you get a you get a image of the screen in your photo ro- roll, and then you can do what you want to with it. But the way that this works is it, it, it's really fantastic, and it's very very obvious that internally to Apple they obviously take a lot of screenshots for like bug <laughs> reports or you know UI type things and it's so great it, it, it it's it's super I, I I don't know it's like nothing that people were asking for but it's obviously very very thoughtful
1: it reminds me of speaking of Craig and Phil what Craig and Phil were talking about with high Sierra and the focus on you know oh we need to you know we need to we need to release something that's not just about snazzy new features but also that makes the operating system better and there's a lot of that stuff in iOS 11 too where they're just these a lot of little, tiny, very smart changes that maybe people weren't clamoring for, um, but it was always like a back of your mind sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, the fact that, here's a here's a good one that I haven't really seen a lot of people pick up on yet. Portrait mode is better, um, which is you know obviously a good thing. It's been in beta for the last year, and obviously it would get better software-wise as Apple figured it out. Uh, but in addition to that, um, the way that they've made portrait mode better with the depth map API is really smart in that not only can third-party apps now take advantage of depth data and use it not just to you know blur out the backgrounds of their images, but they can use it to color isolate and do other really, really smart and interesting things. But portrait mode now, because of that, API And because of the new image codec, which, by the way, is a whole nother cool thing that just kind of popped out of nowhere, um, with the image codec, portrait mode is no longer, uh, there's no longer the option where you like you either have to save the portrait mode photo or you have to save the no portrait mode photo. It's just one photo with metadata. And so you can toggle it on or off at will. So you can have the portrait mode photo or you cannot have the portrait mode photo. And what that tells me is not only, you know, do they have that, but it looks like they might be building an implementation. So in the future, you might be able to alter portrait mode photos. Right. Uh, you know, uh, what was the, was it the Luma, not the, the, the Lumu, Luma, the, the camera that... Allowed you to?
0: Yeah, I know. You yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That that camera that has vanished from my brain because it's no longer important. Uh, well, apparently it looks like you might be able to do, you know, something like that with portrait mode photos. Change what's in focus and change how the how the things look. And again, that's stuff that's not there yet. But all of these sort of baseline features have been built. That it really, it gets me really excited for the future of iOS in a way that I have not been excited in a, in quite a long time. It sh- it shows me that they're thinking not just, you know, what's the next feature that we have to do in six months, but what is our operating system and our feature set going to look like five years down the road? What are our photos yeah. going to look like five years down the road? It's really exciting. Yeah,
0: yeah very much so. Uh, for anybody who isn't as reckless as we are and already has
1: the <laughs> <laughs> iOS 11 beta,
0: but what happens when you take a screenshot on iOS 11 is – It As soon as you take the screenshot, instead of like going back to where you are, you get like a little floating thing in the lower left corner that is the screenshot. And it's sort of like a temporary dock
2: type thing.
0: (laughs) And you can tap it and you can immediately annotate it with like the arrow, arrow tool and the other, what do they call them, markup tools mm-hmm. uh so you can like circle the thing that you want to point to or if you just want the whole screen and then you can immediately send it to somebody and then after you send it you can just be like now throw it away mm-hmm. so that your photo your photo roll isn't necessarily filled up with all of these screenshots that all you wanted to do is take the screenshot send it to you know like the developer of the app like if you're testing a beta or something like that and then you you don't want it forever. There's no longer like a, I have to go back and remember to to delete a bunch of screenshots step.
1: Yeah. Or if you
0: want to just save it to your, you know, your photo roll, you can do that too.
1: Yeah. Um, what I love about this again, it's a, it's a really smart feature. Um, and I appreciate that they're kind of like, yeah, we recognize that people tend to have, uh, legions of screenshots cluttering up their, their photos library. Um, what I find really awesome as somebody who takes a lot of screenshots is that often I will take, you know, 20, 30, 40 screenshots in a 10-minute period because I'm marking up a how-to, right? I want to show the steps. I want to show how that all works. Um, and usually my workflow is take all of the screenshots. uh write the article and then like four hours after I've taken the screenshot, <laughs> go back and try and remember which screenshot went with which step and pull it open in napkin or another third-party annotation app and put the like arrows and the big the loops that focus. Uh, and now with the markup tools, there's a loop built right in there. So all I have to do, you know, when I take the screenshot is tap this and then immediately airdrop it to my phone or airdrop it to my to my computer, and then I never have to. And then I'm just like, all right, that's the screenshot I want. And I've already cropped it to the appropriate information, so I don't have to worry about that. And then I don't have to save it on my phone because it's immediately on my computer where I can upload it to iMore. You know, everything's fantastic. And that's, that's pretty awesome. And then the other thing, Uh, that I really wanted to mention really quickly about screenshots is that you don't have to go through the annotation process if you really just want to take a lot of screenshots, like for whatever reason, if you're taking a bunch of things. Um, If you take three or four in succession, um, it'll pile up on your screen for a limited amount of time, something like two minutes, I think. And then if you don't do anything with them, Um, they'll automatically, uh, it'll go away from your screen and they'll automatically be saved to photos. But you can also, like, if you don't want it hovering on your screen while you're doing other things, you can immediately swipe left to swipe them off the screen, just like you swipe the slide over panel away in iOS 11 on the iPad, and they just get auto-saved. And it's just like, you can deal with those later. So it's just, it's all of these like little smart gestures and features for, uh, again, a feature that probably only 10% of the install base is going to use but it's great. It's such a helpful feature for the 10% to do.
0: Right. It's, it's so much better than having them just be dumb images that are in your photo roll. (laughs) Yep. It really is. And, and, and it's exactly the sort of thing. It to me is a very apply feature where it's like, Hey, we're taking a lot of screenshots. We know that, you know, like you said probably like 10%. It's like the power users, you know, the beta tester type audience. But they take a lot of them and they're obviously not photos, you know, they're they're very different they're a very different thing than the photos you take when you're out out and about in your daily life and you're like, "Oh, here's an interesting thing in my real life." A screenshot's a totally different thing. It should be treated as a different thing. And now the system treats it as, as a different thing and it's it's really really nice.
1: Yeah, you know, I think this is a this was their compromise from all of the people filing radars asking for a screenshots album uh, which by yes, the way we also yeah. have now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Just a you know what?
0: The just the, the entirety of this podcast is going to be
1: <laughs> temptation <us> <laughs> to it.
0: No, temptation to install iOS 11 on all of your devices uh, even though I'm even though I refuse to I, I have so far refuse to install it on my actual like day to day carry iPhone. Really? But it's very <laughs> it's tempting. It's very tempting.
2: Oh
1: uh,
0: I never went, installed no. never install beta one on your phone. No. That's my rule.
1: Uh unless you're me, but really don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I only I only did it because I did not bring a second iPhone with me because I was a stupid oh. person. Yeah. I was I I came straight from a roller derby tournament so I had limited packing space and I'm like do I really want like $10,000 worth of electronics sitting in our locker room you know there's like I ugh.
0: So I I have I use an app called Ita ITA and it's uh, like a little to-do list to, to-do list app and the only thing I really use the app for is I have a list called packing list for when I go on a trip And it's everything I want to take every time I travel. And then once I leave the house, I can reset the list and say, uncheck all the items. And then the next time I open the list, they're all unchecked. And some of the items are only applicable on certain trips. Like it'll say, (laughs) like, do you have your passport? Well, obviously, if I'm going to California, I don't need my passport. So it doesn't matter. But if I am going overseas, you know want to have it. Probably so important. I have an item on that list, which is extra iPhone for iOS beta, <laughs> which is really only for WWDC.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's the, it's the break, break glass in case of iPhone. Uh, OS. Right. But
0: if you, if you just take an extra old iPhone, it doesn't really weigh you down. It's no. not like you're weighed down with pounds and pounds of, of uh, extra material.
1: No, exactly. And uh, with the iPad, it was, you know, I'm not going to bring two iPads, but yeah, it's fine. That's, that's why I have a MacBook Pro now. So I don't have to right. worry about my iPad being completely bricked.
0: <laughs> so, uh, all right, let me take a break. I'll take a break all and right. thank her for sponsoring. And right. I'll ask you uh, whether or not you have a new iPad yet. That's, that'll be my topic when I get back. But first, yeah. I want to tell you about our good friends at Fracture. Fracture is the photo decor company. You send Fracture your photos. You take them with your iPhone or your iPad or whatever camera you want. Send them to Fracture. They print them directly on glass i don't know how they do it but it's not like a piece of paper glued to glass somehow they print photos directly on glass and then they mail it to you and the thing that they mail to you is ready to hang on a wall or prop on your desk whatever you want it's it's very clever packaging and backing where it's all ready to go one of my favorite things about this and and these guys have been sponsoring the show for a long time, but recently people have started when they get their fractures, they start tweeting me. They're they're like at Gruber me on Twitter with a picture of their fracture. And they are some of the most amazing pictures I've ever seen. Uh, there was somebody, I forget who it was somebody who, you know, obviously whoever you are, I, I love you. Thank you for listening to the show. But somebody was like at Yosemite national park and took an amazing picture. Uh, Got it printed on a huge fracture, like the big, like twenty-seven inch type thing, and they took a picture of it on their wall, and it's beautiful. And I'm like, "Did you take that with your iPhone?" And they're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "A, that is amazing that you took that picture with a phone, and it looks so good." And B, uh, wow, the fracture print looks amazing. Uh, It's such a great thing to do with your photos. It is. I'm telling you right now, uh, digital photography has. Nobody wants to go back to film. It is so much better because everybody takes so many more pictures, and more pictures are better than fewer pictures. But the one thing we've lost is that having all of your pictures just on a little four-inch phone is nowhere near as cool as having your best photos printed really big and hang them on a wall for everybody to see. So take your best pictures, get them printed on a fracture. You will not regret it. Here's where you go to find out more. Go to their website. It's fractureme.com, fractureme.com slash podcast. And then at the end of the whole process, uh, when you order your prints, they will ask you where you heard of them. And then it's, it's a one question survey. Just tell them you heard about it on the talk show and they'll know you came from the show. But anyway, you will never regret getting uh, as many pictures as you like fracture. It's such a great service. So my thanks to them. Uh, all right. iPad Pro. Do you have one yet?
1: Yes, the I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, which size? The 10.5. I'm holding it in my hands right now, actually. What color? Uh, space gray this time.
0: Uh, I love the space gray. You I know do. what? I would I would have ordered too. We're actually traveling soon. We've got like a, f- a family wedding, and we've got a vacation coming up. And it's like by the time we got back from WWDC, the goddamn things were back ordered.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs>
0: no, they really are. They're like they're they're like delivery date was actually like we're not even going to be home. So it's like ah oh, shit, what are we going to do? Uh, mm-hmm. It's but I I think it's it's not surprising to me that they're back ordered already because these are. Terrific. So I do have a review unit from Apple. So it's not like I'm iPad pro But You're not
1: bereft. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> I, I, I cannot believe how good a device this is. And I'm, I'm, you know, I say this as somebody who is the, you know, if, if you said to me, hey, iPhone, iPad, Mac, we're going to take one of them away from you forever. Which one do you want? You, you'll never use again, I would immediately say iPad, like just take away, you know, leave me my phone and leave me my Mac and I'll be fine. Like I'm not an iPad person, but that said, I, th- I think this might be the greatest device Apple's ever made. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not the biggest fan of the iPad as a platform, but in terms of Apple doing Apple-y things, the, the new iPad Pro is absolutely positively uh, amazing.
1: I 100% agree.
0: So I'm fascin I'm fascinated though to hear your perspective as an avid illustrator, uh, and with the pencil already, in my opinion, being the best stylus in the consumer space that you could buy, it, it, the difference on the new iPad Pro with this ProMotion 120 uh, hertz refresh rate it's it's astounding. It almost feels that, that, like. With the with the first iPad Pro and when the Pencil first came out, it was like, wow, this is the best stylus I've ever used. With the new iPad Pro and the exact same Pencil, there is like this moment of like, wait, am I actually screwing up and like marking the screen with a real marker?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: There, there, It there really was like this. And it's funny because I take better care of like a review unit from Apple than I do my own hardware. You know what I mean? Like if I own it and mm-hmm. I screw it up, it's like, well, that's my own thing. Whereas like... I want to make sure that when I mail these review units back to Apple, they're pristine. And I don't even know why, because I don't even think they would care. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> what are they doing with the returned I, I really do feel though that with the new pencil, it, 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 it's like, if you just took a Sharpie and started like writing on the screen, it would look exactly the same and have the it's, same response rate. It is.
1: Oh, it's <sighs> wacky. It's wacky. Right. It's wacky. right. You know, um, the The way I was debating drawing a drawing a comic for promotion the same way that I did for the pencil review, um, and I decided against it in part because of time. But one of the one of the first panels I was doing is I'm like, all right, everybody, take into their minds, remember the first time that you as a person got to use like a really nice pen. Um, as opposed to like the the cruddy bic pens, you know, where you have to press down to get the ink to, and sometimes the ink doesn't work. And then you get a hold of like a space pen or a really high end ink pen, and when you put the pen to paper, the ink flows out so fast that it startles you a bit at first. Like you're you you mess up and you don't like your letters aren't quite as well formed or you blot because you're just not used to that kind of performance. You're not used to that like. All, oh all this ink is is now right here uh, that's how drawing with promotion feels to me where it's like suddenly uh, the ink is almost there faster than I have the capacity the brain power or the the training to draw with it um, and you adjust with it but it's it's a very very unnerving experience at first because you've, you know, especially, I mean, I felt a little bit that way when I got the original pencil, but I'd been using Wacom's for years, right? Where you kind of know what good drawing on screens feels like versus like bad iPad drawing on screens. And this just doesn't, you're right, it doesn't feel it doesn't mentally feel like drawing on a screen. Obviously, it's still a screen, and they haven't figured out the magical wizardry yet to make the tip feel like it's drawing on paper, although I am convinced that there's some kind of slight magic uh, you know, voodoo going on because I do think the screen's a little bit tackier than the previous version of iPad Pro. Yeah, um, maybe.
0: Yeah, there is does, something. Apple there's...
1: says Apple says no, right? Um, but I but I swear it does feel a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's just promotion tricking my brain. But right. it, it definitely it 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 feels like there's a slight tackier thing. But regardless of that. Um, it's a much, much better drawing experience than at this point anything. And I haven't tried the new Surface Pro yet, which I know has twenty-one milliseconds of latency as opposed to the Apple Pencils 20. I'm gonna try and try that out next next week, but I'm I don't know. I, I think this might best any digital drawing tool I've used, including a Cintiq.
0: I, I the thing I, I don't get is I don't get the people who want the pencil to be able to navigate the UI and it does still work. Like if you use the pencil and you're in mail, you can like tap Mm -hmm. the upper left corner to go back to your list of mailboxes. I don't think that should do anything. I think that touch should be touch and the pencil should, should just be for drawing. And if, if you, tap the pencil to the screen in a context where drawing doesn't make any sense, it shouldn't do anything. Because (laughs) I feel like what they should do is just keep adding more contexts where if you tap the pencil to the screen, you're immediately marking up the thing that you're looking at. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want to draw on the screen with the pencil. I don't understand why people insisted on having it so you can tap buttons and stuff with the pencil. I don't get it.
1: So I'm I'm of two minds here because on one hand, yeah, especially when you look at the well, iOS 11's new instant markup feature, where you know as soon as you go into screenshot mode, you can draw right. with it, or if you tap the the pencil to the home screen, it'll automatically launch you in a notes drawing, which is pretty cool. Um, but at the same point, I know people with RSI who okay. have like yeah, who are who are a hundred percent like the pencil is the best. Tool I've used for for combating my RSI, and it's really nice to be able to use with a, a right. pen. And the-
0: so, allow me to revise my remarks. And it should be yeah. available <laughs> as an option, but it should be something yes. you have to turn on as like an accessibility type thing. You I'm okay
1: with that. Yeah,
0: I just don't think by default it should work as a touch. I really don't. And if you want it to, sure, go into settings and have a an, uh, have an option so that you can do it. And if it helps with your RSI. You know, I've had my own RSI issues, so, you know, anything that lets you get through that is, you know, God bless, you know, but I don't think it should be on by default.
1: Yeah. My my other argument for it, and again, I think I would be fine with an accessibility settings, is... As somebody who draws a lot, uh, drawing just like anything else is a is an experience where you're multitasking. Um, you might be drawing on a canvas, but um, you might want to like bring in some photos for reference or something like that. And I really do enjoy in that instance working with the pencil. For instance, uh, in in Procreate, right? You can you can drop colors from a from a palette into your your drawing or you can now you can use drag and drop right to mm-hmm. drag your photo into the the drawing and if i already have the pencil in my hand sometimes it's a pain to like go from the pencil to flipping to touch to going back to the pencil so like i get i i get the reasoning behind it but i'm also okay with a with a switch i yep. could i could deal with that as long as it's there somewhere uh-
0: I'll tell you what, the most telling thing to me was a couple of days ago, I think it was like two days ago, I went on a mini Twitter rant about uh, the on-screen, like, get the app button, that medium shows up. On, on like and when everybody when when you post like a blog post to Medium now there's like this stupid toolbar at the bottom that i hate but now they put a button above the toolbar that's like open this in the medium app and i don't want to open it in the fucking <laughs> medium app i want to read it in a web browser where it's already open right now the article is right <laughs> here i'm reading it so why are you telling me to open it in the app and i know i know it's all about engagement fuck you engagement i hate engagement <laughs> but i went on this twitter rant but I was on my phone and I was so angry about this, but I wanted to take a screenshot and I I was totally, it was, it was pure rage that made me want to tweet this. So I wasn't even thinking logically, but the easiest way to do it in my mind, I was on my phone at the time. The easiest way to do it was switch to the iPad pro, open the same thing in the iPad pro (laughs) from, from airplay, right? Airplay it to, to my, to the air you know which was great and, and is one of those features that I feel like people are sort of taking for granted at this point, but is kind of awesome if you have more than one Apple device where it 's like you 're looking at a website on your phone and you want to look at it on this other device. I want to get it on this iPad pro, and I want to take a screenshot and immediately just circle this and make a big angry red arrow with the pencil and It was so easy, like the easiest way to do it was to switch to the iPad pro, open it there take a screenshot and it's right there ready to be marked up. And I just tap it and I can immediately make my angry arrows (laughs) and say, fuck you medium. I hate this. What is going on? And, you know, and then I'm one sharing sheet away from posting it to Twitter and embarrassing myself. But I, I, and then I thought afterwards, I was like, you know what? That is a real selling point for the iPad pro and the pencil, which is that, it actually felt like easier to switch devices to this thing with the pencil than to do it on the phone itself or, you know, any other way.
1: Yep. And now you have ventured into the mindset of the people who are like, I want an, a pencil for the iPhone plus <sighs> Which, again, I'm not I could against see it. I, yeah. yeah.
0: If it, you know, obviously if, if, if it didn't make it any thicker or heavier, if, if the pencil happened to work on the iPhone, it, You know, it wouldn't be worse. I I can kind of see it.
1: Oh yeah, no, I could. I I can absolutely see it. And God knows, I've picked up my pencil before trying to draw on the iPhone and gotten cranky uh, when it didn't. Um, I understand why it hasn't happened yet, but I could also see it happening. Anyway, I agree with you. I I I hundred percent agree with you. A big
0: pencil. I mean, this will shock you. I used to really (laughs) when I was when I was in high school and junior high, I I really cared about which brand of pencil I had. (laughs) No. Shocking. <laughs> you? <laughs> uh, I was a big fan of the Dixon Ticonderoga number two, mm-hmm. which is not, I don't know if you know anything about pencils, but Dixon Ticonderogas used to be made in the United States, and now they're not, and they're nowhere near as good as they used to be. They're <laughs> sort of like a some kind of cheap Chinese lumber or something. But the the old school ones from when I was in high school in the 80s and 90s were- Aces like this was a pencil that you could like if you whack somebody in the head with it, it would it would leave a mark. It was a it was a real pencil pencil. Uh, but I used to think when I when when I was in high school and I used pencils a lot, I liked a pencil when it was about two thirds of the way done. Like it was a better size to me when when you you know you got the pencil, you know somewhere around two thirds to a half of the the of the you know out of the box sight. Size, and I, I can't help but think that I, if they ever added pencil support for the phone, I'd kind of want the pencil to be smaller.
1: Yeah, I don't think that it needs to be the size of a of an HB pencil, which is the size of the current the current Apple pencil. Right. Um, but it doesn't also need to be the size of like a teeny tiny stylus. I think the 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 right feeling to me. I'm holding a Relay FM a few years ago. Got all of its. It's hosts this beautiful space pen. And it's, you know, it's a it's a pen that's designed to write in both directions. And it's probably, I don't know, holding it in front of myself, like I don't know, four inches, five inches long. Like it's just enough yeah, I, I to fit I, comfortably yeah. in a hand. <laughs> and, and and I feel like that's the right length.
0: Right. Because and and then you could like put it in your like uh like your butt pocket, you know, in your jeans, you know what I mean? And it wouldn't stick up. It's exactly. I don't know. I, I I I I don't know. I'm I'm sold on the pencil. I I do I really do like it and I'm not even an illustrator but I I I could kind of see it happening for the phone at some point.
1: Oh yeah. No question. Um it's as I said, it's inevitable it's an inevitability. It just depends they need to figure out the right way to sell it. Right. Um because the last thing the last thing you need is uh Apple getting the you know the the headline oh Apple's trying to compete with the Note the phone that exploded, and then we just run into issues. Uh,
0: you know what is I, I it, there's so many things to talk about, but it's like they totally glossed over this. But but um, the Notes app in iOS 11 now has it's 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 a new. <gasps> It, it's a little confusing because they kept, and I think they did it exactly right. And obviously, I'm the you know co-designer of an iOS Note app that was abandoned, Vesper. So I have very strong opinions on the design of a Note app. I really, really love the way that iOS 11 Note app has evolved. It, it, in particular, this new data type of a on-the-fly pencil illustration in the Note. Uh, now, it, it, prior to iOS 11, what you could do is you could say, add add like a picture to my note. And you have to like hit the plus button. And then you'd get like a full screen, uh, uh, what would you call it? A canvas where you could draw. Yeah. And you could draw whatever you wanted to. And you could, you know, there were a couple of tools. You know, you could have like a marker or a pencil or a, a watercolor brush or whatever you want. and
1: Just wasn't good. Yeah. It was a
0: good demo of, of the pencil support in terms of uh, like the latency and seeing yeah. how you draw, but the actual interface with notes wasn't that great because it was so modal. It yeah, was like exactly. yeah, I had you had to go, had to go in
1: there or out of there and it just wasn't great.
0: Right. Whereas now in iOS 11, you, you're in notes, you just make a note or you're in a note already and you're typing and you, whatever you're typing, it's just like a regular note. And then you just take your pencil and start drawing it. it you don't, you don't have to add to hit a button or go into mode. You just start writing on the screen and it makes a, a A little thing and then if you want to adjust the size it's all you can do is make it taller which is perfect because you don't the thing that i think is so genius is that it has the the width is always the full width of the screen it's Mm -hmm. always just adjusting the height and so it doesn't like try to flow around it like a like a half width image in a word processing program where the text is supposed to flow around the side no it's just full size in the in the note Full width, I should say, in the note, and you just make it taller or shorter if you want, and you just draw. But the thing that is amazing to me is that it it indexes if if it's handwritten words, it indexes those words, and it yes. works.
1: <sighs> Really well. No egg freckles. My
0: (laughs) handwriting is atrocious. (laughs) I mean, like, seriously atrocious. I don't know that there's anybody on the planet who can read it other than me. I can read it. (laughs) I don't know if anybody else can. And I wrote some stuff, and I wasn't trying to – I was writing in my – just not trying to be particularly neat, just writing the way I write. And then I searched for it, and it all – every single word that I wrote came up. It was amazing.
1: Well, and on top of that, uh, the fact that it's so quick—it's almost instantaneous OCR, um, optical character right. recognition for people. For yeah, <laughs> um, but it's it's really impressive, um, and and the fact that it's searchable—not just notes wide, but system wide. Yes. So if you write something down from six months ago, you can theoretically find it, which in is spotlight. pretty fantastic. Yeah, in right. Spotlight.
0: Yeah. What's the egg freckles joke again? I know it comes from Dunsbury. Uh, um,
1: it's a it's a Dunsbury Newton joke. So way I- back.
0: What what was what was it that the person originally wrote though? What what it's oh, like God. everybody just remembers the egg freckles and nobody <laughs> yeah, remembers what they actually egg wrote. egg
1: freckles is just so weird.
0: <laughs> and then the other one that everybody remembers is the uh the Simpsons joke which was uh uh the the bully wanted to write uh beat up uh Nelson or no, not uh, Nelson. What's the kid's name? Whatever it is, is but it, instead of beat up whatever the kid's name was, it said uh Eat up, Martha.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, it was catching catching on. Was the original uh, thing that "quote unquote" egg freckles turned into? Right. Oh boy. Yeah. No. This it's it's quite impressive, um, especially considering that OCR. You know, I I reviewed a couple of OCR apps, um, handwriting OCR apps last year, um, and there's really only one that doesn't. Suck, Um, and the like. Three of them are made by the same company, so I don't know why it's only the one that works. Um, But I've been kind of clamoring for Apple to integrate that for for ages. So I'm really happy to see that. The other big thing in Notes, which again, it's one of these things that kind of slid under the radar because there was just so much was uh, the fact that screenshot or screenshot that um that scanning is built in OCR scanning is is built into the to the iPad and it's, and it's easy because it uses AR, yeah, it uses AR kit.
0: Right. So uh, it's funny. Uh, I, I've been talking about it on and off on a podcast, but we, we just bought a new house a couple months ago and most of the paperwork and everybody always says when you buy a house, there's like thousands of sheets of paperwork and they're not kidding. Like there really is, but most of it we did online and it was like e-documents e- And Amy and I were like, Oh my God, can you even imagine what this was like before (laughs) e-documents? Because you're like, just click to sign, click to sign, click to sign, click to sign. Okay, you're good with this. Send it. And, and, you know, you, you click a button that says, I authorize that by clicking this button, it counts as my signature. And it's going to the mortgage company or whatever the hell, you know, wherever the hell these things go. And in the old days, you had to, like, physically sign it and, like, send a courier or fax it or (sighs) something. But there's still, even today, there still were a number of documents that had to be, like, physically signed and do it. And, I I mean, I don't have a fucking fax machine. I mean, who the hell has a fax machine anymore?
1: Yeah, exactly. But so
0: what I would do is I would I would – put my phone over this piece of paper on a table and try to get the light right and make sure that the phone isn't casting a shadow over the thing, but have it perfectly square over the thing. So it, it didn't, I didn't want it to look like I took a picture of a photo. I wanted it to look like I scanned the, the document, you know, I wanted it to look good. And it, it would, it, I, I'm sure that if I just took it off center, and it didn't matter. It it would still count, but I wanted it to look good. But now the built in feature does the right thing automatically from any angle. It's mm-hmm. cr- crazy. Absolutely. While, while we're crazy. talking,
1: while we were talking, I literally just uh, picked up my iPad and open the screenshot thing and sitting from the desk, just snapped a picture of a, of an invitation for, for our wedding sitting over on the side of the desk propped up at an angle. So I'm not right. even at like, I'm at a, at a I'm at a two thirds view here. It was able to, to instantly get it within like, I don't know, half a second. I, I, and it's, the, the, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Right. I'm like, I don't understand. I, I the, the AR kit, uh, the team really they have to they have to be given like a huge round of applause um, and it's the really sad thing is like no one's going to appreciate the the genius of what ARKit has has put together um, and and the startup from which uh, that Apple bought from which it's based like no one's going to appreciate it for another year or two until we actually see like the, the stuff paying off. Yeah. Uh, but screenshots is a really good early example of it. And you know, this, a, a, the, a real world one.
0: The scanned documents are amazing. It, it, they it,
1: are.
2: <laughs>
0: it, it really looks as good as a photocopy, like, like a, from a terrific photocopy, you know, like a high yeah. end photocopier. It's like it, as good or better. And you don't have to aim it at all. It, in fact, it looks better if you don't put the camera over it <laughs> because you're less likely to get a shadow over the document. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Like, of all the things, you know, the that the narrative of that these devices are replacing all of consumer electronics, like, uh, you know, that they've replaced standalone cameras, they've replaced tape recorders, uh, you name it. But ne- the fact that they've replaced fax machines now is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, think about how big and bulky those things used to be, right? Where it's just I mean, you had to have what, a built-in modem and a scanner in one, and now that's all that's yeah. yeah and a tiny little piece of technology. Um, yeah. I it's ugh, it it's crazy. It really is. <laughs> I just my my words are failing me because I'm still staring at the screenshot.
0: Uh, so have you installed iOS eleven on your iPad yet?
1: I have. Um, right. I did that almost immediately after getting it. So <laughs> I, Cause I'm a stupid, stupid human being. No, but.
0: <laughs> I was so torn. I, I wrote it in my review. I was very honest. I'm, I never lie on daring fireball. Uh, I never lie period to tell you the truth. Uh, just honest like,
1: honest, John. Just
0: like our president. Uh, <laughs> oh. Well, but saying that I never lie, it sounds like, wow, that's something that people who lie a lot say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I,
0: I, I actually don't. That's like, yeah. you know, in my adult life, I've actually like a great way to live your life is just never lie. And it, it's kind of liberating. You just never say anything that's not true. Uh, and we'll get back to that when we talk about <laughs> Tony Fidel
2: and <laughs> Phil Schiller <laughs>
0: at the end of the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, but i i i got the review unit and and they give you like a little thing you have to sign and you know there's like a you know monday is the embargo and you know technically you're not you're not supposed to do something like install a developer beta on a review unit and you're no. certainly not supposed to review uh, uh, uh the thing they don't tell you that they don't say like whatever you do don't install ios 11 on this but <laughs> it's kind of understood You know, Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: I also feel like there's a certain uh, fairness. You know, like if you go to the Apple Store today and buy the new iPad Pro, you get it, and it's running iOS 10.3, and therefore that is what I, as somebody reviewing the product, should be telling you about. Uh, But that said. (laughs) after seeing i was just- 11 last week it was killing me like i i was you know amy and i were flying back east from from san francisco last friday and i have i i my device for the plane uh for the for the transcontinental flight was the the review unit ipad pro and i kept swiping up from the i was already in the habit just from being in the hands-on area, I was already trying to <laughs> use <laughs> – I'm like, oh, my God, this is insane. I cannot – I, I I I have to install iOS 11 on this. I'm already <laughs> using this. I haven't owned a device with this operating system yet, and I already have the habit of trying to use it to, to get, like, iMessages up. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, I Yeah. And and once I did, it was like oh my god. And, and like I wrote my, it's one of my favorite lines I've written in a long time. Where it, uh, I I just feel like one of my hands has been untied from behind my back. I feel like for yeah. the last couple of years, every time I've used an iPad in a in any context, whether I'm reviewing a new one or just using my own personal iPad, I, I have felt like I've had a hand tied behind my back. Like this device can obviously do more than I'm doing with it. You know, in terms of hey, I'm watching a baseball game, but I'm getting text messages from my friend. Why isn't it easier to do both of these? You know, keep the video up and and have i messages on screen for a moment, or you know, and show me my tweets too. Why can't I look at all three? You know, it, it, it has felt like I've been hamstrung, and all of a sudden, once I have the beta on it, it, it I've never felt like that before. Like where putting a the, The iOS 11 beta, as buggy as it is, and it is as buggy as the first developer beta beta should Should be. be. (laughs) Right? It still feels like I'm ten times more productive.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree, and it's why that I you know normally um, I do not install developer hard or developer betas on brand new hardware. Because you, you have that like little bit when the brand new hardware is so fast and so delightful because you right. haven't put all your crud on it yet. Um, but no, I immediately went to it because I spent the entire week last week switching between our review unit of the 10.5 and my 9.7, which of course had iOS 11 on it the second that I was able to right. install it. And just switching between the two of those. Again, like you said, I kept on going to the 10.5 and trying to do things that I had gotten instantly comfortable with on the 9 seven uh and being unable to and being very uh very disappointed by it and on top of that I really wanted to see uh just like the 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 multitasking features work pretty well on the the nine seven. Uh again even as a developer beta uh they work you know with with decent speed but I really wanted to see the way that the animations looked and right. everything else with the promotion technology yeah. because that like we haven't even really talked about that and nope. and yeah <laughs> uh
0: I I also feel that um, uh, and I you know, I, I kinda knew that it wasn't coming, or at least I, I really didn't think it was coming. But like a week before WWDC I wrote, Hey, why not put a trackpad on a smart keyboard cover? And I kind of <laughs> I didn't write it uh, you know, and again, if anybody thought I was writing it because I wink, wink, nudge, nudge, knew that it was coming. It was the opposite. I kind of knew that it wasn't coming, but I still kind of wish that it had a trackpad uh for for text editing. But I will Mm -hmm. say this, that along the lines of that, where the logic of it is, hey, if you have the iPad on the smart keyboard cover and your hands are in that, you know, on the home rows key, your hands are already in this position. Reaching up and touching the screen is sort of breaking that thing. But Mm -hmm. doing the thing where you just go to the bottom of the screen and swipe up to get the multitasking dock, your your fingers are right there already. Mm Mm-hmm. It is super convenient. And so in terms of that whole argument of, hey, if you're in laptop mode, poking at the screen is sort of ergonomically problematic, the the dock in iPad iOS is actually like the least problematic motion you can make because your finger, it's, it's like the, the quickest thing you could possibly do on the screen when you're on the keyboard.
1: Yeah, I'm well, and the beauty of it, like the again, speaking of uh, teams to give hats off to um, the springboard team and the multitasking team really did a, a number in a way of figuring out a way to integrate all of this while still. You know, making all of it feel like a natural progression from what has come before. You know, we've already gotten comfortable with the idea of swiping up for control center, right? So it's just now it's just the difference between a little swipe enters the dock. And then if you continue swiping, this is the beautiful thing, right? Right. If you continue that swiping, you get the new app switcher, which is basically control center on steroids, um, which, you know, the custom control center is something that I know a lot of people have been asking for for a while. And it really comes to, into its own here. Um, but it just, it feels so natural to be like, yeah, I'm typing, oh, I want to pull up a, an app. All I have to do is, as you said, move like half an inch, tap and hold the app, wait until it starts, you know, it, it pulls forward the same way that like tvOS has, has the parallax, you know, um, shimmer yeah. to it. And then you literally just have to like toss it right, right up on the left or the right side of the screen. You don't even have to like move it all the way to the top of the screen and then position it. Like it becomes a very quick, quick flick and switch, um, more quickly than than you'd anticipate.
0: Right. You can you 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 just kind of vaguely gesture in the direction you want it to go, and it just goes (laughs) there. And it's yeah, it, it just obeys your commands.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is I, awesome. I,
0: I think it's a really, really clever design. I really like it, and 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 it's funny to me how visually it it pays homage to the macOS dock,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but to me, it, it, it interaction wise, it's very different because the the macOS dock doesn't really you either have it on screen all the time or you don't, but it doesn't. It's not like I don't know. It's not this,
1: reactive. Yes. in the same way
0: yeah and and the way that you drag apps out of it is and you were saying that we didn't talk about promotion yet, but it it it's uncanny the way that you just tap the icon for messages and quick flick it out, and the way that that the icon turns into the window that you're going to have on the side it, at a hundred percent fidelity as you flick your finger
1: ah. It feels so. You remember uh, the the initial when when Steve Jobs is talking about how everything just feels. I, I'm not sure if he used the word lickable, but hmm. uh, when when he was talking about like just the reaction of of touching the screen and being excited about being able to manipulate objects. I get the same kind of giddiness that I got from initially playing with iOS, playing with the multitasking. Like, just I will sometimes when I'm bored. Uh, I've found myself, or not even bored, but like waiting for something to render. I find myself just like flicking apps around and going from slide over and pulling it down. Just it's a it's a comfortable movement. It's really enjoyable. And as you said, on promotion or on the on the ten five and the twelve nine with promotion it just it flies yeah. it doesn't it there feels like there it feels like there is no latency whatsoever because there isn't between right. your touch interface and and what the screen is rendering they're inputting touch from the user at 120 hertz and then they're exporting it and showing it to you at 120 hertz so whatever you're doing it is it, it's literally what the screen is doing
0: yeah i remember when when macos 10 was in beta or even when like 10.0 zero officially shipped back in 2002 and i worked at bare bones software and um, my friend jim korea was, was one of the engineers there now he works at, at the omni group uh but when the betas came out and and it was so slow you know it looked so good and i think that's where jobs said it's lickable it was describing mm-hmm. that initial aqua interface but it was so slow and i remember jim we'd get like a beta and we'd put it on a like a high-end mac and we'd have like a lot of icons in a finder view and jim would just sort of drag the scroll bar up and down <laughs> real fast like just go up down up down up down and you could see the shearing on screen and jim would just be like ah that's garbage <laughs> 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 because you could just see it but it, and it, but you'd go real fast and it's like well of course at this fidelity with this you know these super you know you know thousand color icons, you know, of course it's not going to be able to scroll in real time. Whereas now it's not even the indirect motion of like scrolling a mouse bar up and down, but literally your finger going up and down and just sitting there flicking the screen up and down, up and down, up and down and having it track your <laughs> finger a hundred percent, just like you're dragging a piece of paper on a desk is kind of amazing.
1: It's such a nice feeling. It's, it, it, it it's such a, it is Confusing your brain in a way that's kind of wonderful, uh, because your brain, like, it feels like you're tactilely moving something, despite the fact that it's just glass. You know, I'm not, I'm not moving a damn thing, except yeah. for pixels on a screen. Um, but dragging, like, I'm just swiping my home screens back and forth with four fingers right now, and it just, it feels like <laughs> I'm moving things. My it's, brain is thoroughly convinced.
0: It's, it's nice. I, I, I overuse that word. I think when I review recent apple products but i don't know what other words to use that they're making things nicer you know and and it it, it, it's not really a tech thing you know i mean like there is no serious engineering that goes into it and the integration between the you know the hardware to have the screen physically technically be able to be driven at 120 Hertz and to have the software in the OS to actually do it and to do the, the, the really cool thing, which is dynamically adjust the refresh rate so that if you're watching a 24 frame per second video, it'll actually only update at 24 Hertz because you don't need the other one. Mm -hmm. And it actually, in fact, in addition to saving battery, it actually makes the video look better because you're not doing like a pull down and getting interstitial frames that are interpolated.
1: Yeah, I gotta. I'm gonna pause you there because uh, there's some really, really cool tech in that regard. Have you ever? Have you done the demo yet, where you put a movie side by side with scrolling?
0: No, I haven't really.
1: So this is where it gets really cool, right? So um, the way that you like you normally watch a movie when you're watching at a at a screen that doesn't do a three do two pull down when it when it divides equally, you normally watch a movie at somewhere between 48 hertz and I think 72. Um, and it, or maybe 96. Um, and it divides equally down to 24 frames a second because your eyes get like kind of messed up right. um, if you just look at 24 screen refreshes. Um, so what ProMotion does when you have video next to something that's 120 hertz, um, unlike the, the televisions, right? Where if you show slow-mo mode, right? You show sports mode, it just makes the video look really super high speed unless you manually change it. Promotion, when you have two things side by side, um, it intelligently downsamples the video. It knows that it's video that you're watching. And it says, okay, this we're going to downsample to to sets of 24, essentially. We're going to show you, you know, an image five times in a second so that your brain thinks it's 24 frames a second, even though we're refreshing the screen 120 times. But on the right side where you're drawing, we're going to give you the full 120 (laughs) screen refreshes. So you can watch a movie or like use it as reference and it looks like a movie, but on the right side, whether you're scrolling or drawing, it's as fast as the screen can allow for. So you have no latency and it's at the, the, it's mind boggling.
0: It's crazy. It's like I said uh, <laughs> 20 minutes ago. It it's the best I, I think it's the best device apples ever made. I really do, hands down. And it's not yeah. my favorite. It's not my favorite apple device ever made. Uh I but I do think it's the best. And I feel like that's sort of, you know, putting on your your big boy pants it, to be a reviewer is to be able to separate what you personally prefer versus appreciating that this is the best thing Apple this is the most Apple y thing Apple Apple's ever made.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um it's well exactly. Even if you're not an iPad person, even if you are a MacBook Pro person that's or me. an iPhone person. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. But what this should like, the reason why the iPad, the 10.5 excites me and the 12.9 excite me as much as they do is yeah, I'm an artist and I really love the iPad form factor. I love, you know, a lot of things about it. But I also, you know, I I care about my MacBook Pro very much. I really enjoy using it on a day-to-day and there are things that make more sense on a Mac. Uh, But what what excites me is that if Apple is developing all of this technology the same i mean you look back to what happened with retina right where when the when the iphone was it the 5 that came out with retina um, no and, iphone uh, or the four? Four, four. Four, four, 4 4 that's right um the iphone 4 came out with retina Um, And Retina is, is something, when it first came out, there was one person in my life who was really excited about Retina. And that was my boyfriend at the time who was a comics artist. And he's like, I have been asking for this for two years. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, I don't really get why it's better until you see it. And then you're like, oh, this is amazing. That's how I feel about all of this tech, is that it's all going to filter down into the Mac, into the iPhone, into whatever Apple decides to make in the future, whether that be AR goggles or a car or a car interface or something we can't even think of. The fact that Apple is working on technology that ostensibly, just like that screenshots feature— you know, consumers consumers were not asking Apple, "You need to make a screen with a higher refresh rate," because most right. people aren't going to know what that means.
2: Right.
1: Um, but Apple is is very focused on making devices that just feel better. They feel less like screens in front of our hands and more like physically tangible devices that are part of our lives. Right. And that that is that's something that we can take advantage of. Across the line, no matter whether you're a Mac person or an iPhone person or an iPad person or a HomePod person, like this is better for you. This is this is a this is a good direction for the company to be going in, caring about its users and actually seeing all of those years of work pay off.
0: Very much so. I I was very excited for Retina years before it came out. I remember uh, I've told this story before, but it's worth telling again. Where there was like a WWDC. It was like, I don't know, maybe like 2005, 2006. But it was before the iPhone even existed. But there was a WWDC. It was probably like 2006 where Apple made a big push on the Mac for what they called at the time high DPI. And the gist was like, Hey, stop drawing pixel for pixel icons, make them like a PDF so that they can scale. Cause, and, and you know, it was as close as they ever come to like saying what they're going to do. Cause like eventually we're going to make screens that have higher resolution. And I remember mm-hmm. it, it was me and Cable Sasser from panic and we both got it instantly. <laughs> and people were like, well, what the hell are you talking about? The Mac, you know, the Mac's already beautiful. And Cable and I were like, well, have you ever seen like, like a laser printer out output, how the, you know, fonts, when you print on a laser printer, they look better than they do on screen. And they're like, yeah, because, you know, on the screen there, you could see the anti-aliasing. And we're like, exactly. Like, imagine a screen <laughs> that's like a laser printer. And they're like, well, that's never going to happen. And we're like, no, no, that's what Apple's telling us is going to happen. <laughs> and they're like, no, that, that, that's too... And they're, that's and, not
1: going to happen. Right, that's and too they, hard. And they quick,
0: like, do the math. And they're like, well, that would be like, you know, 4 million pixels on a screen. And we're like, yeah, that's what they're going to do. That's what... And we thought it was coming, like, next year. We were like... (laughs) We were like... And and, and famously, I swear this is true, like, Cable got, like, panicked to do, like... (laughs) Like all of their apps were retina ready, like in 2007, (laughs) like six years before the Mac had a retina screen. Because it's probably half my fault. You knew. Right. Because we got so excited because there was like one session at WWDC 2006 that was like, get ready for high DPI. (laughs) All right. Let me take a break here. Let me take a break and thank our next sponsor. It is our good friends at Warby Parker. Warby Parker thinks glasses like eyeglasses should not cost as much as your iPhone. Instead, their prescription eyeglasses start at just 95 bucks. And when you get got a pair of Warby Parker glasses for 95 bucks, it's not like, oh, but then you have to buy uh, the, the anti-glare coating and you have to get the scratch coating and next thing you know, it's 300 bucks. No, the $95 glasses you get from Warby Parker are like good to go. Like you get the anti-glare, they're scratch-proof, it, it, there is no upsell there's no hard sell there's no upsell you just get good glasses it's amazing uh i'm i couldn't even be reading this ad to you right now without the warby parker glasses that i'm wearing as i read this uh i just got a new pair a couple weeks ago uh and they're fantastic it's a great company they have great selection of glasses to choose from what you do is you go to their website and they have tons and tons of glasses to choose from all sorts of styles. You pick five up to five that you like and they'll mail them to you at your house just like with dummy lenses you know like just see through you know, clear lenses so you can try them on in your house, look in the mirror uh, get your opinion from whoever you live with or your friends or whatever like hey do these look better do these look better Uh, and then you just mail those back to them and if there's one of them or two of them or more that you want, you just say, hey, here's the ones I want. You send them a picture of your prescription, and next thing you know, like a week later, you've got glasses for 95 bucks. It could not be easier. Uh, and the try-on process could not be easier as well, it, it, including the fact that they, when they mail them to you, it already comes with a box with the label on it for mailing the, the try-on glasses back to them. Like, it it literally could not be easier. There's nothing you have to do, no work. So if you're a total lazy uh, person like I am, uh, this is the best way to get glasses. Uh, Where do you go to find out more? Go to warbyparker.com slash the talk show, and then they'll know you came from the show. And every time you buy glasses from them, this is the other thing that's really cool, they also... each pair you buy from warby Parker they they make a pair of glasses to give to charity for people around the globe who uh, need glasses, which is absolutely fantastic because imagine living your life and not being able to see stuff clearly It would be horrible so Warby Parker is helping to make that uh, helping to solve that problem every time you buy a pair of glasses they they send a pair to people around the world that that need glasses so if you need glasses, next time you need glasses, go to Warby Parker. I don't know what else to tell you. All right. What else do we want to talk about? Uh, just so much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So actually, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, figuring out retina based on WWDC sessions from a few years back before it be- did Many you- years back. I could have, yeah, many, many years. Um, I kind of feel like there are a lot of breadcrumbs in this year's WWDC about where. VR and AR are going with with Ooh, Apple and
0: I I think so too
1: yeah I, I just I, I don't know if I have that much more to say about that other than I'm really fascinated with all of the technology that they they dropped in the dev sessions this year because I think quite a lot of it is again setting groundwork I mean APF um, APFS is another good example of something obviously it came to iOS last year and you talked a bit with, about it with with Phil and Craig last week. Um and now it's coming to the Mac, but like there's there's a lot in here. AR kit. I mean, we've I mentioned AR kit already, but like VR is another really really interesting thing um that comes along the you know, just side by side with Apple essentially saying, "Hey, external GPUs." The thing that we've kind of uh naysayed for years and years because it just wouldn't work well we're going to be shipping developers a kit that allows them to develop with an external GPU with the goal of, you know, people being able to buy external GPU kits next year to use in VR. Um, And here are all of these tools if you want to develop VR games on the Mac, which heretofore not possible. Um, And even though, you know, consumers, I mean, the earliest a consumer is really going to be able to play any sort of VR game on the Vive. I mean, technically, I guess you can you can hook up a, a Vive to the highest-end iMac that's out right now, but really, I mean, uh, I think you're going to see more of a push and Steam and everything, the game's coming, uh, starting in December and next year, uh, so it's just, I don't know, it's really interesting to see Apple, Apple getting on the bandwagon in this way, and Positioning it from, not from a, hey, consumers, we know you love VR, so here are some machines to let you play VR, but from a, like, developers, do you want to work on, you know, the tools that you really like working on to develop VR content and VR movies? We're going to give you those tools, see what you can
0: do. I've said this, I I think, with Ben Thompson, I think it was on a show, but I've said it numerous times, but the way to be right all the time is not... To pretend like you can be correct all the time with every decision you make and every statement you make, because the, the nature of being a human being is you're going to be wrong sometimes. You're going to make mistakes. The way mm-hmm. to be right all the time is to have an open mind and recognize your mistakes and then just say, oh, I screwed that one up. You know, that, that was, you know, so if it's as simple as just me writing Daring Fireball, if I post something and it's wrong, the way to be right all the time is to as soon as I find out that a post is wrong, post an update and say, Oh, this is wrong. I screwed up. Here's the correct thing. And it, I'm, I feel like the, what Apple's done with the GPU stuff on the Mac is exactly what you want to see. It, it's a sign of a healthy Apple, which is mm-hmm. clearly they had their eye off the ball for the last two years or so on Mac hardware and I, I I feel like a little bit they you know maybe maybe it was because they were at a high high level focused on the iPad and the iPhone especially uh, and maybe a little bit they were taking for granted the Mac market and maybe a little bit they they you know the quote unquote painted themselves in a thermal corner with the Mac Pro <laughs> uh, but they did but the fact that they c- can you know like I, I don't feel like it's worth raking them over the coals for the mistake, given that they've clearly come back and said, okay, here's, you know, we're going to go all in on this. And like you said, with the eGPUs, it's like, here's where the industry's gone. And we clearly in 2013, when we came out with that Mac pro design, totally did not anticipate that like that 2013 Mm -hmm. Mac pro for all the pros and cons you can say about it. The one thing about it that clearly is not true is it, it, that, that, Architecture did not anticipate the rise of the GPU as, uh, as as effectively the new CPU, right? And and mm-hmm. the way that like all of this machine learning goes through the GPU, e- even though it's not actually graphical at all, like that's the thing that it's it's hard for me to really get why that's the case. You know, like I don't really understand it, but I know that it's true that this. Uh, massively parallel processing when you go through the machine learning, like go through all of my photos and try to find every one that's a picture of sneakers or something like that. (laughs) It's more efficient on a GPU than a CPU because it's, it's meant to be parallelized. They just didn't foresee it. And now they're like, well we, we get it now though. And we're coming back in a big way.
1: Yeah. And not just, not just here's technology that we kind of screwed up on and we're coming back on it. But I think your point as to, you know, taking the Mac market for granted and maybe taking pros for granted and thinking, well, professionals aren't, you know, as big of a market anymore. So do we really need to put that much emphasis on it? Um, it feels to me a lot like the, the early final cut pro 10 days mm-hmm. where they, you know, release this new thing and they're like, Right. Okay, we're listening to you um and let's show you how much we're listening to you yeah. and and where that's going. And the the interesting thing about this WWDC for me in terms of like the overall story, the where Apple's going story, is the refocus very much so on pros and developers without necessarily abandoning what makes its consumer hardware so great right. uh, they've have, they have managed to find like a really nice line straddle where they can give all of this again this amazing tech that's going to help your average user but is really designed for for professionals yeah ARKit um, kit
0: is a great example of that right because yeah. it, it, it re- the, I don't think that they really announced anything apple well, the only thing I can think of that they announced that is like Apple made that consumers will use mm. is the feature you we were just talking about a while ago about the uh, scanning documents, scanning. which mm-hmm. is AR Kit to get this you know the the angle squared up. Uh, other than that, though, the AR Kit is really just more. Here is the great framework, and we're giving it to you, the developers, and you guys come up with the ideas. You know, like uh, better Pokemon Go. <laughs> you know, which is it, yeah. you know, obviously silly, but it, it clearly but looks
1: powerful. It looks so much
0: better. Right? <laughs> it really
1: does. It's nice to have, you know, the Pokemon sized properly right. in regards to the backgrounds, like as silly and little as that is, or um, the one of the great ridiculous demos that I saw floating around the internet this week, uh, someone built a 3D model of the Titanic and was able to map it to water. And there's just this nine second clip of someone panning at moving the camera up and down and side to side and basically Ooh. seeing a virtual 3d model of the Titanic. Right.
0: That's amazing. Uh, yeah. somebody was talking last week. I don't even know. It might already be shipping. I don't know if it was an idea or not, but, uh, but clearly this is going to happen and it's going to be on our phones soon with AR kit is like, if you're at like Ikea and you have a photo of your living room, You'll mm-hmm. be able to like live, you know, like what would this table look like if it was our dining room table? And you'll be able to see exactly what it'll look like. Like live that's,
1: scan it. That's yeah.
0: super useful.
1: hmm Or um, you know, uh walk through tours. Yes. Essentially being able to, you know, virtually walk through a home while right. you're instead of having to visit, you know, twenty different places. Right. Or, um, here's a, here's a crazy one, you know, 360 cameras are one of these things where I'm just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm not, I, 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 as of yet, um, until very recently, I'm like, okay, this is cool and all, but is this really useful? Um, and, uh, my pal and yours, Andy Anatko, uh, came to a roller derby game recently and shot the game uh, shot like 10 minutes of the game in 360 from the center of the, the oval. And for people who don't know Roller Derby, it's a game that's played on an oval track. Um, and it's basically a combination of like sprinting and rugby where you have players like hitting each other and then you're trying to race around a track. So the action, there's lots of action happening at one time. There's simultaneous offense and defense. And the 360 camera was was like seeing that footage. Um, and I just had to like pan through it on Facebook. Right. Because they, I didn't have an applicable AR, you know, way of, of holding it up. Um, the 360 footage was fascinating because I could see right. what was happening at the back of the, the action versus the front of the action, what was happening between the point scorers and what was happening between the point scorer of the opposing team without having to rely on the person who was filming to, like, zoom in or zoom out. Right. It's, not, fact, it's a sport no. that's
0: not really amenable to TV-style you know, one 16 to nine rectangle frame <laughs> of action. No, you're exactly yeah. right though. It's a yeah. perfect example because there's stuff going 360 degrees around the track at all exactly.
1: times. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the, the beauty of that, right. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, all, all of this, um, the beauty of it is that, like, right now we can – we'll be able to look at those kind of things in AR with uh, with an, a compatible app, you know, on an iPad, right, or on an iPhone. Or you look at Apple's even own demo of, of Peter Jackson's new software with the, the 12.9 iPad, you know, holding up, watching the town get, you know, destroyed. Um, that's really cool, and it's a cool proof-of-concept demo. But, again, this is – What Apple cares about is not that you're making apps for somebody to hold up their iPad for three hours and play a game in AR. Like, Apple's thinking five years down the line. Apple's thinking, all right, well, forget about iPhones and iPads, how do we incorporate this technology into whatever's next? Right, right. You're, you're you're not going to want to hold a 12.9 inch screen. So what are we going to do? And that that's that's Apple's deal. But for Apple to be able to launch that kind of thing in you know three, five, ten years, whatever the timeline ends up being they need the software they need the bright ideas and the brilliant ideas that are going to get the you know your average pokemon go loving user to to hop on because otherwise they're just making google glass right they're making right. a fun proof concept that has no reason or rhyme
0: uh, what do you what do you make of the fact that they've already updated the macbook pros um
1: i think that that's a Gosh, uh, I, th- I think primarily it's a oh well. Thankfully, KB Lake is finally here, so we're going to shove some KB Lakes into right. the new MacBook Pros. Um, and if we could have launched the new MacBook Pros with KB Lake last year, we would have done it. But we couldn't. Uh, but right, but right. we couldn't because Intel. Right.
0: Here's what I think, I, and I know it's it's it. It seems to me like the sort of typical like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Where, uh, and I get it, like, if you just bought a new MacBook Pro, like, four months ago, it kind of sucks that there's new ones now, but that's the way the computer industry used to work all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Like, there were (laughs) always new machines nine months after you bought it, and so there was no way to win. Like, you were lucky if you got six months with a top-of-the-line machine that was still top-of-the-line. And, and so updating October-released machines in June is sort of like a return to that. But the way I feel is that this was a unique situation where the MacBook Pros were overdue last year. Everybody wanted new MacBook Pros last year. Oh, yeah. They were overdue. And they made the best ones that they could make, given what was available from Intel, and shipped them. Uh, and now that they can make them a little bit better with KB Lake and get a little bit better battery life and, you know— it's obviously not radically better. Like if you bought one of the ones that was released last October, you're not like screwed. It's not like you've no, got you're like not 11. SOL. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it was worth not waiting until now to do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, you look at the the overall picture of Apple doesn't like pros. Um, or Apple is abandoning Pros without Apple just basically being like, "Hey guys, okay, we're we're going to give you this concession. We're going to show you the the MacBook Pro that we've been working on, and no, it's not the Mac." You know, I think honestly, Apple would have liked to release those last WWDC, yep. but the KB Lake chips just weren't ready um, with the the low power stuff that they wanted, um, so they had to wait. And finally, they're like, "All right, well, we can't release these with KB Lake, but." You know, we want to we want to make sure that people understand that we're not, you know, we're not sitting on our laurels and twiddling our thumbs. We actually are working on great hardware. It's just maybe not as great as we would like it to be. I don't know. I have a
0: as somebody who cares more about the Mac than any other product that they make, I thought that this was a great WWDC, even if it means that people who bought a, a MacBook Pro last October kind of, you know, only got like seven or eight months of top of the line life out of the thing. It's like, well, so it goes.
1: Yeah. It's and honestly it's not as you said, it's not like it's such a big jump in performance that now all of a sudden I'm looking at my thirteen inch it's not the the original MacBook Air versus the twenty ten MacBook Airs, right? <laughs> Where it's all of a sudden you go from a barely usable computer to a very usable computer. My my thirteen inch that I bought in October is still a very usable computer. It's still a great, a great laptop and I probably wasn't pushing it to the right. extent that I could, anyway, and the fact that it has Thunderbolt three and everything else, you know, that's that's the really important stuff for kind of the future proofing down the line. You talk about like using the eGPU. I'll be able to use an eGPU on my machine from October. I don't have to buy right. a machine from June to be able to do that. So that's that's the important stuff, I think. But the really interesting thing, I think this is the this is the thing that's that's caught my my eye and my memory is well, KB Lake is all well and good. But jumping back to iPad for a second here, one of the things we didn't talk about with the new iPad Pros is the ridiculousness of the A10X and the fact that I basically have a computer here that's more powerful than you know my, my laptop from four years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. Is, yeah, yeah.
0: It's absolutely and I knew- crazy. And I, I, I kind of hinted at it in my review, but I actually feel that Apple has... The combination of of the incredible achievements of Apple's in-house chip team and how good the A10X is combined with, I don't want to say the word ineptitude, but, but the, the, hiccups, combined, the hiccups that uh, Intel has had in recent lack years. Lack of
1: innovation from Intel.
0: <laughs> but I actually feel that from a product marketing standpoint, it's actually put Apple in a very hard position because they really are totally committed to, to the Mac. And and I feel like they've shown it and they've really it's not just words anymore like with the product announcements with the MacBook Pros and the new MacBook and especially the new iMacs and super especially the iMac Pro and super super especially the fact that they've said that the iMac Pro is not the Mac Pro that they talked about two months ago that that's still coming <laughs> like they're as committed to the mac as they could possibly be and i feel yeah. like the high sierra story is exactly what i wanted them to do just don't work on new stuff just sort of make it better mm-hmm. uh, all of that said i really feel like the a10x is so good that they're they're in a hard position because they don't want to denigrate Intel, because Intel is an important partner for them, and they don't want to denigrate their own products, which <laughs> the entire Mac line is based on the Intel chips. <laughs> but the A10X embarrasses Intel, it, in my opinion. I I feel like the new iPad Pro is absolutely a slap in the. F- it, it, Intel should be ashamed of themselves that this device is can't be made using Intel devices. It and and the. It's not just the performance, because obviously there are Intel chips that can outperform the A10X. It's the fact that it's a fanless, heatless – it never gets hot, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So not even a, warm. Right.
0: It never gets warm. So given those constraints and how light it is and the battery life it gets, there's no way to make a machine like that with an Intel chip. And, and the, the MacBook with the Core M3 is – It's behind the iPad Pro in terms, just in terms of sheer performance. Like if you, the only reason to choose it would be if you, you know, for the reason that I would is that I prefer working on a Mac and I like Mac software and I like the form factor, but as a computer, just judging it as a computing device, it is so far behind the iPad Pro. It's embarrassing to Intel.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. And what is interesting to me about that is, you know, Intel currently has the edge on Apple for high-end chips, right? Apple's not going to be able to make an A-series processor right. that's going to power an iMac Pro or we even think. a Mac Pro. <laughs> right. Yet, yet, that's the trick, right? Like, I mean, maybe maybe that's that's their announcement for the Mac Pro, is they're right. like, yeah, uh, no, it doesn't run Intel. It just runs the A, like, 20 or right. something or crazy like, it like has that. Like, it
0: has, like, six <laughs> A10Xs or something exactly. like that.
1: Exactly. That would right? be mind-boggling. Right? <laughs> and I wouldn't be
0: surprised if that's the story, but...
1: yeah. Well, because they've they've just done Saruji and his entire team has just done such incredible work on silicon. Um, I mean, there's there's always the story to be said about you know Apple Apple being able to make everything in house means that they're able to customize and really focus their their CPU on on what it needs to do as opposed to you know meeting the hardware specifications of twenty different computers. But it's really, it is really staggering to me. Again, as somebody who maybe pushes the iPad, I I have pushed my iPads in the past to 100% capacity. Um, And I have tried just about everything that I can think of um, on the new 10.5 iPad to try and push it to capacity. Um, including running you know 3D intensive games and doing crazy stuff in Affinity Photo which by the way uh people who have been looking for a Photoshop replacement since the dawn of the iPad Affinity Photo is the Photoshop replacement and in fact once you once you learn it a little bit I would argue that Affinity Photo is in some ways stronger than Photoshop which is a frightening thing to say um but that's that's the thing right it's like the iPad Pro for for many years has been hamstrung by the fact by like the double whammy of like the, the processors kept on getting more powerful in the iPad, but they weren't still, you know, as powerful as they needed to be to do certain things. And the operating system was not, you know, not necessarily what pro users wanted to use because there were the the hand tied behind your back thing, right? Where it's just not quite what I want. This this series of ipad this this series of of the a10x and the the design and ios 11 in the fall like this is apple basically being like pro developers people who want to do pro creative software that takes incredibly intense rendering um and you want to you know you want to be able to work fast um the ipad is now capable of doing this so why hamstring yourself um with a mac which in some cases is subpar for your work unlike you know in in other professions where i feel like the mac is superior in some in some professions now the ipad is the superior device and that's a that's a really interesting story for apple to be able to tell not that the ipad makes do for where a mac could but like you need an ipad to be able to to be the leader in your field Hmm. That's that's the thing that's making me. Like that's what the, the A10X and and Surugi Silicon team has basically opened us up to.
0: And and again, a promotion is in hand with that, right? Where it's yeah. like you know, the the graphics throughput on this device is insane. It's absolutely insane.
1: Yeah. The fact that well it's it's constantly pushing, you know, this screen um and and doing it without any latency right? right um when when doing high intense products uh projects like the demo on stage of the guy making a movie poster and doing seamless you know wave rendering without any time that's that's impressive and it's cool and stuff, but it really doesn't show what the processor is truly capable of the one the,
0: the, the one where he did the the hair recognition around Johnny Depp for the poster though that was yeah. St- that's, and that's the one where I even wrote about, I, I, I actually think that Apple strategically had a third party do it. And he said it was four times faster than on a desktop PC doing it <laughs> on the iPad. <laughs> they had a third party say that because they themselves didn't want to say this thing is actually faster than a Mac at mm-hmm. doing graphics intensive things like, like this, that sort of, uh, you know, select the outline of a very complex, you know, uh, johnny depp with dread dreadlocks uh captain jack sparrow movie poster thing
1: yeah no absolutely because they don't again they don't want to insult intel they don't want to get in trouble with any of their partners but if a third party's like yeah we we use this and it's you know it's no no slouch like it's it's second basically to having like you know john from procreate or adobe come up and and say the same thing um but adobe can't you know, piss off its own it, it, <laughs> its own partners. Oh,
0: but it's kind of fascinating in, in conjunction with this whole 10th, 10th anniversary of the iPhone and iOS, you know, and, and we'll touch on that, you know, in the next segment of the show with the book that came out. Um, but everybody's looking back at it. And, and the whole uh, story of the origin of iOS with the creation of the iPhone was this, uh, hey, what should it be? Should it just be an iPod that can make, cell phone calls it should it be a new os like based on a very like a light embedded version of linux uh or can apple strip down mac os 10 to the point where it could run on a on a pocket-sized device in 2007 Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: you know the great achievement of that team is that even people on the team thought that that's probably impossible. we can't get Mac OS 10 to be at that level and they did it. And that's what made the original iPhone such a mind blowing once in our lifetime, uh, uh, you know, epic moment mm-hmm. in, in the industry. Um, but it was the, it, At that origin, it was like, I can't believe that they got this to the point where it's actually usable and and boots in a reasonable amount of time and a performance is good. (laughs) But it was clearly slower than the Mac. It was amazing that it ran at all. And here we are 10 years later, and they've gotten the iPad to the point where it's actually more performant than a, a, a consumer MacBook it's yeah, absolutely based laptop right it has nothing like the original when when the ipad came out in 2010 you didn't buy it because it was faster you bought it because the because you wanted it <laughs> right it was all about the ui and the the yeah, hey i i just love this style of computing and i don't care if it's slower it it i don't need fast i just need i i like this lightweight mental model of interaction with with direct manipulation of stuff on screen. But here we are today in 2017 and it's actually the faster computer, which is mind-blowing to me.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at Geekbench scores right now um, and I just ran it on my 105 and it's fun to look at the the compute section of Geekbench where it compares like your device versus older mm-hmm. devices. And I'm looking at like it's a, their metal score, their their GPU score. The iPhone 5s which really wasn't that long ago. The iPhone 5S had a compute score of 546, and the 10.5-inch iPad Pro has a score of 29,445.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. Right? And, <laughs> or just look at the graphics performance, like right, where you take a web page and just scroll up and down real fast, mm-hmm. just up, down, up, down, up, down. On the iPad Pro, it looks like you can read it as it moves up and down mm-hmm. the screen, and on a, even like a high-end Mac, it, it's you know it's blurry because it just doesn't have that sort of refresh rate. It's, it's yeah, absolutely crazy.
1: It's the difference between wearing glasses or not. Yeah. Um, the The biggest uh, the processor wow for me was not running all of those high-end tests. But actually, um, I don't know if you've ever used Procreate, but Procreate has a feature where after you do a after you do a drawing, uh, you can go to export and you can export the drawing, but you can also export a video that basically calculates every single stroke you've made, so you can kind of see like a fun little time lapse of what you've drawn. Um, and those video exports, um, when I do like a long piece, for instance, like I did the Incomparables holiday card a few years back, um, and it took like three, four, five minutes to export it to, you know, and it's, you know, the the display resolution. Right. Um, I've been exporting some of my Procreate projects, including a project that I worked on probably for seven, eight hours, and the export happens in less than 15 seconds. That's crazy. It's just, it's that's the thing where like the first time I did it when I was with Renee, Renee was like, did you just export a photo? And I'm like, no, I exported a video. Did
0: you suspect that it didn't (laughs) work right? Like it was a bug. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Oh yeah. I was like, okay, procreate's broken. And then I went and I'm like, Nope, Nope. It's there. That's wow.
0: (laughs) It's absolutely uh, astounding to me that the, at this it, it. to me, so quickly, in just a handful of years, it's gone from, look, use this device if you prefer the mental model of this conceptually simpler direct manipulation operating system at the expense of performance, because obviously a you know real Intel PC is going to be faster, to this point where it's like, actually, <laughs> the only reason to use a Mac is if... You know, the Mac is the one that has to make the excuse for the software, right? Like it's <laughs> like you have to really prefer the full PC operating system because the performance is not the reason to use that device. It's crazy. But I think
1: that's that's the that's the best thing. I mean, it's yeah. a it's a long time coming, but that's the position Apple wants to be in because then they get to actually go back to the the philosophy from a few years ago, which is the right device for the right th- the right task. Right. And it's like some some tasks make more sense with a Mac and that's okay and some tasks make more sense with an iPad and that's okay too. Right. There can be room for both devices. It's just pick the one that makes more sense for your for your work.
0: Absolutely. All right, let me take a break here and thank our third sponsor. It's our good friends at Squarespace. Look, you guys know Squarespace, it's where you go to make a website. You can pick your domain name, you can host your website there. Uh, they have templates to choose from long story short I'm not gonna, uh, i 'm not going to i don 't know what else to tell you about Squarespace, but next time you need a website, just go there and try to build it at Squarespace first. Just spend thirty minutes at Squarespace building a new website and I can almost guarantee you that you'll you 'll just parlay that into oh, this is great, this is exactly what I wanted and boom uh you just roll that in and sign up and there you go you've got a website already stop don't don't start by making a new html document and and doing it that way go to squarespace and do it that way i told you a couple weeks uh weeks or months ago about a local restaurant here in philly that uh uh i, I just curiously i went and viewed source and Lo and behold, their website was a Squarespace site. Another one, just around the corner from me here, there's a new pizza place that opened up, and they have wonderful pizza. It's it's called Rione, R-I-O-N-E. So if you're here, local in Philly, go go to this place. It, they have the most amazing pizza. Uh, they also have a v- adorable website. It's super cool. And I thought, I wonder. And I went and viewed source, and guess what? It's a it's a Squarespace site. <laughs> so rather than wasting their time, uh, paying. A, somebody to build a fancy website or whatever all they do they're just making the pizza and then they have a very cool very stylish totally branded for the restaurant website uh built with squarespace don't waste your time building it on your own just go to squarespace and it all you have to do is design it it's so great uh so my thanks to squarespace go to squarespace.com and when you sign up Remember the code Gruber, my last name. You gotta remember that. And when you actually sign up to pay, you'll save ten percent on your first order. So go to squarespace.com slash talkshow and remember that code Gruber. And uh you'll save you'll save ten percent. Uh, I got two other things I wanted to talk about, Serenity. I wanted to talk about this uh this book that's coming out, Brian Merchant's The One Device and the excerpt that ran <laughs> in in The Verge. Uh and then I want to talk about uh, WWDC being in San Jose and what, what we think about that. So let's talk about the book first. All right. Um, it's not coming out till next week. So this podcast will come out before the book comes out. But The Verge ran an excerpt a couple of days ago, and it <laughs> it made some <laughs> waves.
1: Just a few. Uh,
0: particularly, and it was funny. So... I'm reading this excerpt the day that it came out, and, and I've, I'm reading it, and I'm into it. And it's like, wow, there's some stuff in here that I didn't know before, this is great. And I, uh, I knew I was gonna link to it from Daring Fireball. And there was this great little story from Greg Christie, who, who's, I think he left Apple about two or three years ago. He used to head up their human interface uh, design team, and his team came up with, you know more or less came up with the original iPhone the entire UI design. And he had a great story uh, about how they had what he called uh, like tapas, like little things. Like there was like, oh, well here's how you would, we think on a, on a little three and a half inch touchscreen, here's how you would do contacts Uh, and, and an idea for you know, here's how we think, you know, we would do like a web view for the web browser or whatever, but they didn't really have the whole start to finish. Here's exactly what you'll see when the phone turns on. Here's what happens when you tap this, here's what, you know, and more or less Steve Jobs came to him. It's like, yeah, these ideas are fine, but I want the whole story. You have two weeks, give me the whole story, or I'm putting another team on this. And they went into this Like, as Greg Christie calls it, death march, but his team spent like two weeks living in this lab. And, you know, the place got like all smelly, and he had people sleeping at his house because he didn't want them driving home because they were so exhausted. But in two weeks, they more or less came up with a Greg Christie said, like, if I could reproduce the demo we had at the end of that two weeks, (laughs) you would recognize it today as an iPhone. And I had this ready to go as my. Daring Fireball post, like, I'm going to block quote this little section of this and say, go read this. And then I went down a little further and re- read, the, <laughs> read the bit about Schiller. And I was like, delete, 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 select all, delete. Like, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> this is why I read the whole story before I post.
1: <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah.
0: So the, the bit that got all the publicity was uh, Tony Fidel former Apple executive uh, who was in charge of the iPod hardware and was in charge of uh, iPhone hardware in the original iPhone, uh, (laughs) was quoted extensively saying that Phil Schiller was the lone person at the executive level who was insistent that the original iPhone should have a hardware keyboard like a BlackBerry. Uh, And that it got to the point where there was like a screaming match and that Steve Jobs said something to the effect of uh I'm sick of this shit. Get on get on board or get the fuck up and and kicked him out of a meeting. Uh and then it was immediately followed by a story by a guy named Brett Bilbray who who uh who's it wasn't quoted extensively. He was quoted in little snippets saying something to the effect of that Phil Schiller uh isn't a tech guy and understands things like a grandma and grandpa from middle America. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (sighs) I think, so I think here's what I think happened. I think, I think Tony Fidel shot his mouth off and regrets it because it's since come out. uh, The author of the book, Brian uh, Merchant was on the uh, verge Catch with Neelai Patel and says he has, he has the entire interview with Fidel on tape and went back and double checked and, and everything he quoted him saying was on tape so the whole what what Schiller did though i think it's kind of genius is schiller just said uh not true don't believe everything you read in response to some random person saying hey phil is it true that you pushed this hard for a hardware keyboard and in response to that tweet fidel tweeted hey uh, this this whole story isn't true i've really value my friendship with Phil Schiller <laughs> and my time working with him. Uh and this merchant has said, you know, responded to that and was like, well, I have you on tape saying this. Uh so I I feel like I it's pretty clear what happened. I think Tony Fidel was quoted accurately. He said what he's quoted as saying. Whether it's actually true what he said is up for debate.
1: Debatable. Yeah.
0: Right? Like long story short, that's the the that's where we stand is is it true or not that this happened? Who knows? Tony Fidel says one thing, but I think it's I think it's so funny that Phil Schiller baited you know, he uh, Fidel tells this story that it seemingly tries to make Phil Schiller look a little foolish in hindsight, at least. And in just forty-four, in a one forty-four character tweet, <laughs> Phil Schiller baited him into publicly making a shit out of himself.
1: <laughs> well, what what is it? I, uh, uh, Grandma and Grandpa, my ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I mean, Phil Schiller is many things. Uh, I, not intelligent is not one of them.
0: Or technically savvy is absolutely yeah. positively <laughs> not true. And I realize I'm coming at it from the perspective of uh, somebody who just had him on my show last week. <laughs> and so you can say, well, of course, you're going to defend him because he's a friend of the show and he, he comes on your show, you know, last three years. Uh it, put that aside I'm telling you that I don't know anybody in the press I mean Walt Mossberg came out I mean and Walt's got no fucks left to give because he's he's (laughs) He's (laughs) retired right and Walt is like if you you know I've I've talked to he's probably talked to Phil Schiller more times than anybody in the press combined in fact I would Mm -hmm. bet on it because I don't see how anybody else could have talked with Phil Schiller more times than Walt Mossberg and Walt is like if you don't think Phil Schiller knows his stuff you're an idiot
1: there's, there's no question. I mean, you don't get to where you are by being an empty head right. or an empty suit.
0: <laughs> so I, it's you know, I don't want to go too far in this book because I, we, it's not out yet, so I haven't read it. I'm greatly looking forward to it. But in particular, this anecdote about the hardware keyboard to me, I and I, I really do mean this. Like Phil Schiller doesn't mean, need me to defend him, but I'm just saying, even if it is true particularly depending on the timeline of when this argument happened. I don't really think it was even so much about uh, whether you needed a hardware keyboard, but more about whether the iPhone needed the a software. Ke- it needed a keyboard period. Like, yeah, because, because it's clear that at, at this point they were kicking around the notion and Steve Jobs himself even, you know, was clearly of half a mind that it should be more like an iPod, like a consumer electronics thing that ran, they even called them widgets, right? And they even had the guy who invented Dashboard for Mac OS X port like the calculator and the stocks widget to uh, a non-Mac OS X based iPhone prototype, right? That it would be like the sort of thing where there'd be an iPod so you could play music. There'd be a phone where you could dial numbers and select people and maybe like a calculator and a stock widget and, you know, something for text messaging and that's it. But even like the text messaging thing wouldn't necessarily have like a keyboard. Maybe it would have like a, you know, like the way we texted before where you type them on a number pad (laughs) or something. (laughs) The T9. Right. Like, I I I think it's entirely possible, even if this anecdote is true, that what Schiller was saying was we need to we've got the ability to make this a little tiny personal computer, and therefore it needs the ability to, to actually type on a real keyboard. Whereas there might have been other people who were like, "Nah, we don't need that. It should be more like a simple phone that just happens to have some things like a stock widget and a calculator widget."
1: Yeah, I could. I mean, I can see it. As I think, more more likely, the the conversation comes on the heels of, well, can we even make a software keyboard work to the extent where it's actually functional? Because I could very much see, you know, Schiller putting his foot down if you know it's been six months and the software keyboard still looks shitty looks terrible right can't you know the the button response is not right or you're constantly button mashing or you just like there there are many reasons why a software keyboard would not have been successful at that point and i could i could see making that point but the way that this the way that the story is structured it just makes it sound like i don't know i feel like it is it is bad narration yeah. On 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 merchants' part, because I just there it it feels like there's more to the story, whether the quote is complete fabrication right. or not. But if the if the quote is true, like the fact that it's just like oh yeah, Schiller was against it, yeah. like not when Schiller was against it, not why Schiller was against it, just Schiller was against it.
0: Right, and and you know when this argument took place, in what state was the software keyboard that we know? Mm-hmm. For the iPhone, did it even exist? Because if it didn't even exist yet, it it it's actually the most logical argument to make. It's actually you know <laughs> correct in hindsight that we we got to have a keyboard. It's it's kind of funny how it blew out of control, but yeah. And I, <laughs> and again, I I've never met the guy, but I, and and I would love to because he seems like he's a lot of fun. But it seems to me like Tony Fidel <laughs> needs a better <laughs> he needs a better press handler.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe gone off as a <laughs> Yeah uh, this, the One interesting thing
0: I, I just want to reiterate that Tony Fidel, as we Record this, his public stances This thing that I was Quoted accurately Saying is not <laughs> True
1: <laughs> He hasn't walked it back yet?
0: No, all, all he said is that it's not true, but he hasn't denied that the quote is accurate, which is... And, oh, boy. And, and Merchant says he has tape, so it's, it must be accurate. But in other words, Tony Fidel is saying, the story that I've told is not accurate. And, and on the Vergecast, Merchant says that he, he, he... Fidel emailed him and said, some of the stories I told you I didn't mean for you to take literally.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> and what is... Extra funny to me is that, of course, what, two days after this story comes out, the Computer History Museum announces that they're going to, you know, have a bunch of the iPhone engineers for a roundtable, including Scott Forstall, who did not get interviewed for this book and who no one has really talked to about creating the iPhone, period, up to this point because he's been under NDA. Yeah. Well, we don't know that. Well, we don't okay. know
0: that that's why. That's
1: true. That's true. It couldn't it it could be that he just didn't feel like talking about it.
0: Right. You know, that was
1: fair. He put uh, a put I, a lot of his life into it.
0: I i I honestly have no idea. I mean, I you know, I i last time I talked to Scott Forstall, he was an Apple employee. So it's been a long time since I've talked to Scott Forstall. Um I don't I would I would highly doubt that his non-disclosure agreement for the you know termination package he got i would highly doubt that it lasted five years i would guess it was probably like two or three years uh and yeah. i think that his continuing silence is simply uh, the fact that he was you know whatever else you want to say about the guy he's an apple employee and apple employees don't talk you know what i mean it's true that's so true. I can't wait for that. It's it's John Markoff, formerly of the New York Times, who's hosting it, and there is going to be video. Uh, it's going to be like live cast on uh, Facebook or whatever they call the thing for the kids. Ugh. But there's going to be video, so it's great. I I, I hope it's interesting. I hope he opens up because that's a guy whose story we haven't heard since since the whole shit went down where he got he got forced out of the company. Yeah. And I and do kind honest- of I do kind of feel like this merchant's book whatever it is it seems like there's a lot of good stuff in it but the fact that it doesn't have on the record stuff from Forstall or anybody on Forstall's team means at least half the story is not in the book.
1: Yeah. And quite a quite a large por- portion of the story really.
0: Right. Because there's he, he you know getting Greg Christie and and Boz ording and a couple of other people from the design side. That's fantastic. It really is. It's a huge score for him. I can't wait to read that part of the book. Uh, but saying here's the design for the iPhone is one thing. Actually getting it to run, <laughs> on, like I said, <laughs> on 2007, ARM hardware is an entirely other thing and and arguably the greater accomplishment. Yeah. I remember talking to somebody when the, when the, at, at the MacWorld Expo in two thousand January two thousand seven when it was announced. Uh, I I I I knew somebody who who I I didn't know beforehand, but afterwards I knew he worked at Apple, and I knew that he had disappeared. And it ends up he was working on the original iPhone um, on the software, and I I was like, "This is where you've been." He was like, "Yeah." And he still couldn't <laughs> tell me anything really, you know, he could at least say, yes, this is what I've been working on. And I remember saying to him like, okay, so it's running a stripped down version of Mac OS I I don't care how stripped down it is. It's going to take forever to turn on. Like, how, how is that going to work? Cause like my, my current cell phone at the time, like you could totally have it powered off, powered on, and it would be on in five seconds. And he mm-hmm. just said, you're, and he said, you're thinking about it wrong. You're not going to turn it on and off. You're going to put it to sleep. And I was like,
2: oh.
0: <laughs> but it's funny because here we are in 2017, and it actually doesn't take that long for an iPhone to turn on anymore. But that, no the longer, original yeah. one did take, it did take, I was correct. It did take forever to turn on.
1: Something like 56 seconds, if I remember correctly. Well, I think it
0: took longer. I think it took over a minute. Yeah. I think it was Ugh, more than might a minute.
1: Have. Well, you can still get that experience if you reboot your Apple Watch. So,
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh my God! Upgrading your Apple Watch—it's still—is it, is there anything worse in the entire Apple ecosystem than like a minor point <laughs> upgrade to Watch OS? Because you're not—you're not even going to get like a major upgrade. You're really just getting like security fixes and bug, bug fixes. fixes so, yep, <laughs> and it takes forever. Oh
2: my God!
1: So my my fun story on that is I have iOS 11 running on pretty much all of my iOS devices. I have High Sierra running in a partition on my Mac because I'm not stupid enough to install it wholesale. Uh, but I still do not have watchOS 4 <laughs> because every time I go to install it, uh, it either doesn't work or it's like, we'll take four and a half hours yeah. to <laughs> download and install. Oh, the watch. That's that's, that's something Apple could, you know, future, future updates, make yeah. the watch easier to update.
0: No, you know they will because it used to be so hard to update the phone. It'll be the same way because you used to have to plug it into your Mac and download it on your Mac and, and install it over. You couldn't do it right on the phone itself. It'll happen for the watch and we'll all look back at these watch 1.0 and watch 2.0 days and laugh, but we're not there yet. We'll
1: get stories. Yeah. We'll get stories from the creators of the watch at the computer history museum. It'll be great. Uh,
0: Anyway, last but not least, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, just the overall experience, the the experience of being at WWDC last week. I thought you had a great piece. I will, I promise, I swear to God, it's going into show notes. You had a good piece that you wrote uh at, I think Friday. Was it it was at yeah, the end of the week. Friday,
1: uh, yeah. Friday as I was coming home, I was on the plane and I was just kind of you know, free free form thinking. There were there were a couple people um who wrote some really nice ones yeah. including uh Steve um Stephen Hackett of Relay right. and a couple other folks. Um but it's it was a really different conference than in many years. Um, And it, I, you know, I, I go to WWDC and it's nice to, to see these people, you know, to see you and to see the other folks in the media, but also to see all of these developers and podcasters and friends that I've made through over the years at various events and throughout this community um, but it's always one of those things where like it's always a rush, right? Where you maybe see you see people at like two in the morning uh for drinks. Um, but the rest of the the rest of the week, it's just kind of like maybe you'll see them, you know, in and out really quickly. Um whereas this year, it felt like I got to spend a even being probably having it be one of the craziest WWDCs for me as a writer in recent memory, I feel like I was constantly amidst everybody. Um, And part of it is just this San Jose is not what I would call a crazy bustling city in the way that San Francisco is. San Jose almost reminds me a little more. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a sleepy California town in a way while still being a major American city. Um, It, it just has this relaxed sort of atmosphere, or at least it did throughout the entire week um, where, almost you know there were there were restaurants uh, but there weren't so many that like you you could go to a coffee shop and never run into anybody instead i feel like everybody was at the same two no. coffee shops so you would constantly be running into people that you knew. You'd constantly be getting these great conversations. And not just, you know, not just people who, you know, you, you might end up for drinks with, but people who could never make it to the 2 a.m. drinks crowd, right? right. Um, or you'd run into Apple engineers um, on their way from getting lunch. and And I don't know. It's the... One of the things that I always heard people say about the WWDC ticket was the sessions are great, but the reason why you buy the ticket is not for the sessions. You buy the ticket for the labs and you buy the ticket for the random chance encounters and the meetings and the like the waiting in the rest for the restroom line and joking there. Um, and this year it felt like the entirety of San Jose, was the WWDC yep. keynote yep. hall or the uh, conference hall? Right. Where it's just like you were constantly running into people and making those amazing connections and having interesting discussions. Whether you were at WWDC or outside or at Layers or at you know social policy, the coffee shop or right. you know there's it was great.
0: Yeah, social policy very, turned into like <laughs> like the, the second <laughs> second keynote hall. It was like oh yeah, <laughs> but like. Uh, you wrote like when you originally booked your ticket, you like uh, were only staying until Tuesday because you you were like I'm I don't know maybe half these people are going to end up back in San Francisco by Tuesday afternoon. You know, like, yeah. are people going to stay there? And it wasn't the case at all. Like you know no. it, the and, and and you're exactly right too to the point where I question how San Jose functions. Without WWDC, <laughs> because in that downtown area, there's there's it's a very nice layout, but it reminds me of like a college campus. It's not really yeah. like a downtown; it's more like a college campus. And there's that park, and there's uh, you know the the convention center is at one end, and there's the at least. Uh, Two of the hotels there's a marriott i forget the other one a hilton but they're right next to the convention center there's the park and all around that park is almost everything that you went to that uh, you know a couple of hotels the the sunday night screening of the app the human story documentary was like just one block off from there you know like nothing was more than like one block away from that that park but every single person I saw everywhere was there for WWDC or one of the ancillary things like layers or AldConf or something like that. So I don't even understand how that entire area functions when there's not a conference.
1: <laughs> I mean, I know there are there are tech companies that work just up the way, you know, there's Viv and there are a couple others yeah. uh, sort of on that on Mission Street on San Jose's and mission. And Adobe's Street.
0: headquarters is very, very nearby. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's. I mean, there are people and there are there are colleges nearby, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe there are just a lot of conferences, and that's how they <laughs> that's how they run that area. Yeah. Or maybe it just happens to be like a quiet uh, spot for the folks who work on market to go get their lunch, and then this week it just turned into insanity. Um but it wasn't even but that's a funny thing, right? It wasn't really even insanity. No. It was just the right amount of right. people to make that entire downtown area function.
0: And it you know? seemed, it seems like the 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 conference uh I forget what it's called, McHenry, whatever it's called, the the, the McHenry, yeah. The McHenry Center. Has more square footage than Moscone West. I mean, I don't even think there's a question about it. It's no um uh, and Apple really took advantage of that. Like, uh, I was on Jim Dalrymple's podcast and we were recorded it in the, were you, were you, did you make it to the podcast? Uh, I
1: didn't, but Renee did. It, it, and it he had a
0: gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah. I figured it would just be like a, a, a little black box in the corner because that's all you need. You know what I mean? You don't need, it doesn't yeah. need to look good, but it was amazing. Cause it like overlooked the, this, um, uh, lounge that they had set up that was like several thousand square foot and while we were recording like wednesday afternoon or thursday afternoon whenever the hell it was uh there must have been 1100 to 1500 wwdc attendees in this lounge one floor down that we were overlooking just you know downloading betas and chilling and and just it was a type of space that there there's not there was nothing like that no ability to create a space like that in uh in Moscone West, I I think, uh, I mean, Apple obviously is doesn't say stuff like this. They don't say like we'll be back here next year. We'll find out when the you know WWDC is announced in April next year or whenever the hell they announce it. But I I would bet heavily that it's forever going to be in San Jose, henceforth, because it I just, really
1: hope so. It <laughs>
0: just feels way more Apple-y. Apple. Apple uh, it, it feels more natural to Apple. Apple got to control more of the experience within the convention hall and they got to control way more of the experience in the surrounding neighborhood. That's the, the biggest difference. Oh
1: yeah. Being able to have all the, the WWDC banners on the, yeah. the signposts, I think went around for at least a square mile yeah. was very, very impressive.
0: That, um, <laughs> that said, I do feel if I have a suggestion to Apple, it would be <laughs> that they should reach out to local restaurants and bars. Yes. <laughs> and tell them to treat this whole week like a weekend.
1: Yeah. More it, staff, later hours.
0: <laughs> after, so my live show was on Tuesday and, uh, our, uh, my event horizon for that show is be ready to go. And all, all, all I can think is be ready to go by 7. PM to actually step on stage and have questions ready. and, don't make a fool of yourself for the next hour or ninety minutes <laughs> and then that's it every you know once that show is over I have no idea what the hell is going on and then you know <laughs> uh it was over it seemed like it was a success I felt like it was a really good show I really liked it uh Phil and Craig hung around for a little bit uh, and we talked backstage and it was all very fun and next thing you know you know they leave and you know I wrapped up I you know dot the I's, cross the T's on with the event staff, you know, in the, in the theater. And it was about six of us. It was like me and Amy and Paul Kafasis who who did a great job announcing the show. Um, and a couple of other people, but we needed dinner. And all of a sudden and I'm famished all of a sudden, because I did, I, I had like lunch like eight hours before and yeah, only, you're on
1: stage time. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I only pecked at it. So we needed to go eat, and, and Paul found a place, and it looked good, and it was, uh, I don't know, a quarter mile away, a third of a mile away, not too far, You know, nothing down there. But they're open till midnight, and it was like, so we could make it easily. And so we get there at 1025. I, I remember this very specifically. It was 95 minutes before their closing time. We get there, and the the woman is putting the chairs up on the tables, and she goes, oh, we're closed. And and Paul says, "But you're open till midnight," and she goes, "That's what the last guy said." <laughs> <laughs> and clearly, meaning like somebody who was just there like a minute or two before, yeah. And who thought that maybe they would be open until their st- stated closing time, or even close to their stated closing time? God, She's God like, oh, we, we just close our we we close our kitchen whenever it gets slow, and it's like that's not how ours work. <laughs>
1: Well, there's your answer about how the town survives when WWDC right, they is not just in town. Clo- they just
2: closed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thankfully, um, thankfully, I did not have as many late hours as I did uh, this year as I have in previous years. But uh, we definitely ran into that once or twice, you know, going to someplace for dinner and having it be like, oh – out of the office for a few hours, had to go, you know, as I said, it feels like very small town, California in some ways. So maybe, maybe if uh, the, the city can just be like, Hey, local businesses, we'll uh, we'll, we'll make it so that you make more money than you probably will all all year. Otherwise Uh, just, just, just just
0: treat Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of that week, like a weekend and you'll be fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Don't don't treat it like a typical Monday because it's not going to be a typical (laughs) Monday.
1: No. If you're closed up one day, maybe maybe stay open.
0: Yeah, no. Anyway, but I do think it was great. I and I really really enjoyed the um just the fact that it seemed like everybody who you ran into was there for WWDC. It was mm-hmm. it was really great.
1: Or if they weren't they soon became part of <laughs> WWDC. <laughs> uh
0: yeah, I and I I I would bet you know again i have no inside knowledge nobody you know it wasn't like uh, uh, i asked phil schiller backstage hey are we coming back here next year because i knew he wouldn't answer but so nobody said anything to me but i i would i would be shocked almost if if it wasn't in san jose going forward because it just seems to me like it was a rousing success
1: i hope it is and on a on a like personal fun note um one of the really cool things about San Jose is it's flat um, mm. and and relatively you know relatively easy to get around as you said like all of the venues yeah. are kind of within half a mile of each other. Um, I had my roller skates for some for some demos and I ended up spending the last two days of the conference just going from place to place on my skates. And that is the best time, hands down, that I've ever had going from like building to building at a conference. And if they do it in San Jose again, I'm like, I'm bringing my skates. And I'm, if
0: you I'm, and if they <laughs> if they bring it back to San Francisco, you'd kill yourself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. I have I have skated in San Francisco you, precisely once, and you it would was achieve awful. escape
0: velocity. <laughs>
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't – there are certain hills, right. certain streets. You're just like, no, that's no. not going to
0: work. Very, very – nobody has ever described San Francisco as a very flat city.
1: <laughs> no, right. not so much.
0: Uh, thank you so much, Serenity. I always appreciate having you on the show. Everybody can read your uh, your fine writing at iMore. You did a terrific – is is the transcript up? Or do we have the transcript? Of the, the transcript
1: is up, yes. And it was – it will be It's. – it is – finished. It will be fully finished by the time that this show is live.
0: So Serenity was kind (laughs) enough uh, over at iMore. I will have a link to it in the show notes. There's a full transcript of the live show from last week. Uh, And people can follow you on Twitter at, uh, what's your Twitter handle?
1: Saturn, (laughs) S-E-T-T-E-R-N.
0: There we go. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Always good to have you on the show.